You're at the Coaching Inn, 3D Coaching's virtual pub where we enjoy conversations with people who are engaged in the world of coaching. Welcome to the Coaching Inn and today, uh, well I'm Claire Pedrick and today my guest is Sarah Short who's come back for a second go in the pub. Sarah works for the Coaching Revolution and we had such an amazing conversation outside the pub before we got in our cars and drove away after the last conversation that we agreed straight away to get another date in the diary. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you very much, Claire. Lovely to be here. Uh, and there's been quite a lot of cross-fertilisation since our last podcast, I think. <laughs> there has. I've had some really interesting conversations with, with coaches who fit into two camps, and I'm absolutely thrilled that both kinds felt that they could come and talk to me. Um, so the one kind was, gosh, you talk a lot of sense. Um, can I have a chat with you about perhaps some, having some help building my coaching business? And those are the kind of people that I normally talk to. But then on the other camp was the, I listened to the podcast and it made me furious because you were contradicting everything that I believe to be true about how to build a coaching business. And um, the person in question actually said, you know, true coach said, so I went away and reflected on why I felt so angry <laughs> um, and then decided to book uh, a chat in my diary. And I'm always very happy to talk to people whether or not they think I'm talking sense. But um, anyway, we had a chat and I think it's fair to say that by the end of the conversation, um, I, I certainly wasn't angry wasn't angry when he arrived in the conversation, but he, he was sort of seeing why, even though I appear to contradict, well, I do contradict a lot of the, um, they, it's, they're not even myths, are they? are they? What is this thing that's out there about if your coaching's good enough, your clients will find you and that all you've got to do is lift your eyes from the floor and look around and all the clients that you'll ever need surround you. It's like, one of our coaches lives in Levensium in Manchester. She said, honest to God, if I lift my eyes up, I'll get somebody to offer to sell me some dope. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, we don't all live in places where if you lift your eyes up from the floor, you're surrounded by potential clients. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you're cringing, you know who you are. We are going to, I am going to invite you to come on the coaching in in a year or 18 months time and tell your story of what happened and you know who you are. So yes. we decided, didn't we, Sarah, that we wanted to dig more into the idea of simplifying and simplicity. Yes. And, and, and understanding as well, understanding that it can be simple. It doesn't have to be hard. And speaking plain English. Oh, <laughs> you know, this is one of my favourites. Let me get my hobby horse out. So, um, listeners, you'll know that we had last week, we had Martin Carter on after his amazing post on LinkedIn, where he he really challenged the idea of calling yourself, you know, the kick ass coach or the the, you know, the coach who does some words that nobody understands and actually describing yourself in plain and simple language. Mm hmm. Uh, and uh, so we're building really on that conversation now. And of course, my passion is about simplifying. It's really funny. 
we've had 15 well actually we started 21 people this week mental coaching in groups and I I am hosting one of the groups and I started off one of the groups with Colleen so I've seen 12 people new to coaching this week and they're all asking questions and um my answer to most questions that coaches ask about their coaching the the technical side of coaching mm-hmm. is ask them so I get a question what do I do if mm-hmm. this happens and I go ask the thinker and they look at me and people who work with me know by the time I've said that 20 times that actually they they know the answer themselves but I it really astonishes me that that ask them as an answer to a question don't ask me ask the client ask the thinker it is is such a piece of rocket science what have we done as a profession to make people think that it's more complicated than that and that we need to know what to do that we need to know that because there's an implication there that we should know an answer yeah yeah. When, of course, we, it's not about us. On the coaching side of your business, it's not about us. Exactly. It, 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 and, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It is interesting. Ask them is actually a really good question all round, whether you're on the marketing side or the coaching skills side. Absolutely. In our shop, we've got these lovely little postcards um, with with um, – my version of the ICF core competencies and they're all little postcards and the most I'm looking for the one just to show you Sarah because I'm not able to show this to our listeners but the (laughs) the first principle of coaching is ask them yes there are there are others and we've just taken them out of the complexity of the competencies across Mm. any professional body Mm. and it what we do in coaching is really simple isn't it in, indeed, indeed. I, I think there's, this is where we got into this last time, isn't it? I think there is an element of the coaching world, coaching fraternity, coaching profession, um, that is very concerned with how clever they are. Yeah. And they, and not, that, that, I don't mean that quite as disparagingly as it, as it sounds, but that they need like, for example, the ICF, the, the way that they write things, you look at it and you think, who, who, what? I don't even know what that means. I don't, I don't you know, I'm quite, I'm an English teacher, for goodness sake. I, and, and I'm struggling to understand what that means. And it, it does make me wonder if it comes from a place of feeling like you have to appear clever, not just be clever, but you have to demonstrate that you're clever. I Yes. And I think it also comes from a place where pretty much in every profession, knowledge is is and 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 the acquisition of knowledge Mm -hmm. is the thing that demonstrates credibility. So I need to know a bit more in order to be credible. I need to know a bit more than that in order to be a little bit more credible. Can I add to that? Yeah. I can't find any clients, so I'm going to take another coaching qualification because then I'll be even more credible to the clients that I don't have. Yeah. 
You should hear me going to people. Please don't read any more books. Please don't go on any more courses. Use well what you've learned already because you've got loads. Yeah, I suppose I suppose one of your postcards should just say, I am enough. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, one of the philosophy postcards says you are the material because it's it's who we are. And, and what that looks like in the dialogue that is at the heart of great coaching. It's the presence. It's funny. We also started a course this week called Simplifying Coaching, which is like a conversion course for people who've trained elsewhere who want to simplify the work that they do. And I did a coaching demo. This is a pilot course. We're going to run it again, but we're going to make it three hours longer because I did a coaching demo and then it took us the whole session to even begin to have a little look at the bits of it but all the bits that we were looking at were about how little I did yeah. which is did, great and how <laughs> did I how did I know to do that little and how did I know not to speak then and one of the questions I've had a few times this week is how did you know not to speak then and I said because they looked away and were clearly thinking so the coaching was doing great stuff. And, and if I'd spoken, I would have stopped the great stuff happening, which is a very pragmatic thing, I think. You know, it's not a big secret. It's just that if, if, if you've hired me to do some good work and you're doing some good work, then I need to let you do some good work. Yes, because alternatively, you won't be coaching. You'll be interrupting. And that's yes. not what they're paying you for. And I'll be interrupting them thinking, which mm. is what they're paying me for. Absolutely. So, so I even ask myself if it's really that simple. And then I talk back to myself and say, it is. Because I know deep down in my knower that it is. But even I lose confidence sometimes and go, is it really? But it is. It is. And I just want I want people to understand what they hear and I want us to speak in a language that is accessible to everybody yeah I'm thinking about what you said about credibility and and acquiring more knowledge is makes increases sorry I'm looking for a word there um increases credibility and I was thinking of it in terms of what I was saying about the language that our august professional bodies all of them and the um higher echelons of coaching academia use and I think that the effect of that is the actually I was going to say is the absolute opposite of what they want to achieve because what it actually does is difficult for the reader or listener but as I was saying that I thought actually maybe maybe that is what they want to do maybe they do want to kind of you know the old thing about jargon is designed to keep people out, not to bring them in, because a lot of um, sort of highbrow coaching. I think that's the thing. When did coaching suddenly become this terribly intellectual pursuit for which we do lots and lots of academic study and stop being about the person in front of you? I don't know. That's, that's the thing, isn't it? It's interesting because research is a really useful thing. 
of course and and understanding and having some good solid stuff and if anyone wants to do a PhD in coaching and wants to talk to me about some great things to research I've got a long list of things that would be really interesting to research in a PhD that would actually really bring some brilliant stuff to the practical experience of what happens in the room and I think that's where there's a danger that we lose connection yes because because knowing a lot doesn't mean we're good at it you know I could read endless books about driving you know I could read books that that tell me how to drive in an ecologically friendly way and I could read books about how to how to do all sorts of things but if I don't accidents yes but if I don't actually get in the car and 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 use it and drive and I won't need to use all of it all the time and sometimes I won't need to use any of it yes um that's really interesting that you said that because I have an analogy that I use with drivers and having a driving license And my analogy is this. If you take your driving test and you pass it and somebody gives you a driving license and there you've got it in your hand and you never set foot in a car car ever again, are you a driver or are you a person with a driving license? Yeah. I would argue that you are the second. So if you go all the way through a coaching program, you know, to, as in training to become a coach, not being coach, but training to become a coach, and you fall out the end with your bright, shiny certificate and your heart full of joy, and then you struggle like mad to find coaching clients, so actually you never really coach anybody, are you still a coach or are you a person with a coaching qualification? Because mm. I would argue that you're a person with a coaching qualification but that doesn't go down very well when I say that. <laughs> I'm not trying to make anybody cross. It's just a thought that I had quite some time ago. And some people with a coaching qualification do it to make them better managers, leaders, whatever. And they're using, they're using bits of it in different yes. ways all the time. Absolutely. I would argue that we're all using bits of it in different ways all the time. Yeah. But if, if what you thought you wanted to do was be a coach... And what you're actually doing is um, using coaching skills in your everyday life. Is that the same thing? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it's the same thing. It's an interesting question, isn't it? So what does simplifying marketing look like, Sarah? It looks like not being shouty and, and not being, to use a good old northern expression, gobby and obnoxious and braggy and all of the things that that coaches that I speak to fear that marketing is yeah and and it absolutely isn't you know good professional marketing excuse me is becoming visible to the kind of clients that you want to work with and articulating to them the benefit of working with you. That's it. I think that, and I'm going to name a name here, and I hope it's okay with you, Sarah Klein. 
um, because Sarah's <laughs> been a guest here. And in fact, I think it was Sarah who who first talked about you. Sarah Klein first talked about you, Sarah Short. Yes. One of our clients. And and the thing I most love about Sarah Klein is that her bio on LinkedIn says, I work with knackered public sector women or something like that. That's exactly what it says. And even if she never did anything else, and even if that's all it said, there's a lot of people who are going to go, that's me. Absolutely. And And that is the purpose of it. And I think the thing, Sarah Klein, that I really love about that, and I know you're a listener at the Coaching Inn, but the thing I really like about it is that that phrase in itself even without doing any other stuff, is a game changer. Yes. And I heard, since I started talking to you, Sarah, here in the room, uh, I have noticed things in a different way. And I'm in a, a Facebook group for aspiring and qualified coaches, just as a sort of see what's going on thing. Mm. And uh, somebody put on uh, yesterday or the day before, what, what's your niche and somebody put, I'm a business coach. Ah. And I heard you shout, Sarah. Um, <laughs> but actually, I heard that differently because I, I, I looked at it and I thought, but that doesn't give me any idea if I want to work with you or not. Because it doesn't give me any idea if I want to, want to, if I want to work with you or not. Yeah. Mm. One of the things that we get our coaches to do, speaking of simplifying, is to write what I call a golden sentence. So now this golden sentence, it seems so easy, but actually it has to come after a lot of work because what it is, is a distilling of your entire marketing message into a single sentence. It's really easy to write a golden paragraph. It's so hard to write a golden sentence. So the golden sentence says, I work with X to help them Y so that they can Z. So in Sarah Klein's case, and I'm not going to get this right because it's a, you know, these things are a work of art when they're done. I work with knackered public sector women to help them. It's uh, Sarah's is to do with just the level of overwhelm and, and what have you. I won't get the words right so that they can basically carry on through the next part of their lives less overwhelmed. I put that really, really badly, but that. X is the kind of client you work with. Y, I can hear Sarah laughing at how badly I put that, actually. Um, y is what it is you're helping them with. With Sarah, it's burnout. And Z is what it is that they will be able to do when they've removed that problem from their life. And I've done workshops on golden sentences and people say, oh, well, I work with, I don't want to work with a particular kind of person. I want to work with um, a character trait. So, for example, chronically shy people. That's great. But, well, hey, where do you find them if they're chronically shy? But the thing about having, um, the important thing about having a niche, can you start at a niche and then kind of filter down to, getting more and more clarity is that you have to be able to spot them in a crowd for argument's sake so it shy people okay what's their job title well I don't know anybody who's shy no 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 we need to focus down because if for example on LinkedIn 
like Sarah works with public sector women, she knows what job title they'll have. She can connect with them. She can build an audience of people who look like her ideal client so that when she talks about the work that she does, the people who are hearing it are the ones who are going to go, she's talking about me. I feel that to give you credit, Sarah, if you're listening, uh, I'm going to read out what it actually says. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It says helping knackered female public sector leaders avoid burnout and find their midlife mojo. There you go. And how beautiful is that? And I love that it's a very simple sentence and it's not perfect English or fully grammatical because it says something about who you are as a coach, Sarah. Absolutely. And somebody said about, not not particularly about Sarah's um, uh, LinkedIn headline, but somebody said to me, oh, you know, you, you can't use the word knackered. That's not professional. But the thing is that Sarah's clients use that word. That's how they see themselves. And it's not about, um, you know, your our professional sensibilities. It's about simplicity. It's about using the language of the people that you want to work with. Because this is where we started, wasn't it, with coach speak and client speak and us coaches loving to talk about holding space and thinking partners and limiting beliefs. And all of that belongs in the coaching conversation. It does not belong in your marketing. Can I just say, I'm not sure I agree with that either. I'm happy for you not to agree. If you say to somebody, what are your limiting beliefs? Somebody who's read a book on limiting beliefs probably has thought about what they perceive to be a limiting belief. And and the person in front of you is going to go, what? Because what it does is it makes you look like an expert again. Absolutely. Makes you look superior. Whereas if you say to somebody, I wonder if that's getting in the way. They'll go, yeah, it is. Yeah. (laughs) Is it useful if we do a little bit of work around that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things, one of the, uh, so I used to go to a lot of networking events in the days before the pandemic when we did those things. And I would see coaches in the room and in the minute to introduce yourself, I'm a coach and I can help you reach your business goals, overcoming your limiting beliefs and mental barriers. And I'd go, oof. And then subsequently, I would hear them talking to people and they'd say, I can help you remove limiting beliefs. And the person that they're talking to would say, I haven't got any. And the coach would go, ho, 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 of course you do. And immediately, that's a patronizing conversation. Mm. And the person that they're talking to kept really quite upset on occasion. And I remember having a conversation with a coach and saying, do you remember the Truman Show? Do you remember the Truman Show with Jim Carrey where he lived in a dome? He was born yeah. in a dome. He lived in, right, Until the moment that his boat hit the edge of that dome, as far as he was concerned, it was all real. It was his reality. And so it is with a limiting belief. Until the moment that you go, oh, yes, that's not true. Until that instant, it's just your reality. Mm-hmm. And so telling people they've got limiting beliefs is kind of saying, well, you know, I understand your reality better than you do because I'm very clever and I'm the coach. It's like, it's so disempowering. Yes. And and they don't mean to be. They're very earnest, these coaches. You know, they don't mean. I think that one of the biggest issues in coaching 
is how much people get accidentally disempowered. And it is so not the intention of the coach, but all those tiny little things that we do where we take a little bit of more power and the partnership is a little bit out of balance. Mm. If we've taken a little bit of power, as my friend Mads Morgan used to say, we can only have taken it from the other person. And if we've taken it from the other person, then we must have disempowered them accidentally and with such good intention. Yes. Yes, I think I think that's that's really important is that I I, I was going to say I've never met a, a, a badly intentioned coach. But, I, I, you know, I think coaches are lovely people. We, we are nice people. We are people people, aren't we? We, I, I've never met a coach I can't learn from. I've never met a coach that I don't find interesting. And to accidentally disempower, that's a very interesting concept, accidental disempowerment. That is a very interesting concept. Yes, because it's absolutely not the intention of the coach. No, and it's not what they set out to do and it's not what they intend to do. And they're actually trying to do exactly the opposite. And yet the accidental outcome of accidentally disempowering yes. is that you start leading and the client starts following, yes. the thinker starts following. And then the whole balance in the coaching space is out of sync. Yeah. So can I say something controversial about, about plain speaking? Yes, please do. I think coach isn't a job title. I think coach is the most horrendous word in the same way that, as everybody knows already, because I'm very out about it, I don't think that client or coachy is a great word either, and neither do I think thinker is a great word. We are a person who, who supports the thinking of another person for a little while mm. my my grievance around calling ourselves coaches well there there are there are a few but the main one is that there are two problems with being called a coach or calling yourself a coach problem number one is that nobody knows what we do and problem number two is that everybody thinks they know what we do and they're wrong yeah and so that's where your golden sentence comes in so when somebody says, what do you do? Instead of saying, I'm a coach, Sarah Klein can now say, I work with knackered public sector women. That's the answer to the, to the question. And I remember the day that I realized, well, in fact, I can tell you exactly the day that I realized I didn't want to be called a coach anymore was when somebody said, oh, you're a coach. What? Netball. Yeah. And I thought, ah, so I took the word coach from everything. And my mm. business card in the days when we had them just said, Sarah Short and my contact details. And people would look at it and say, oh, that's interesting. What do you do? And I would say, I work with to help them so that they can. And it transformed my business. But of course, to get to the point where you can say, I work with this kind of person to help them with this so that they can achieve that. There's a lot of work that has to go in before you can actually get to that sentence. Rather like there's a lot of work has to go in before you can realize that if you do that, you're going to disempower the person in front of you. Seems so easy, but actually it's from a position of knowledge. And I think the only way to address the accidental disempowerment thing is to watch recordings from 
time, not all the time, that would be really obsessive, but from time to time. Because <laughs> yeah. as much as I think that there's huge value in reflective practice, you get your journal, you think about what happened. You can't see that. And you can only see it from your own point of view. You can only think about it from your own point of view. Whereas when you can see it, and, and if people want to look at that partnership piece, there are two ways, there are two great ways in. One is watch a video. And now all of us are doing some of our work on Zoom, I think, probably, or, or some kind of video platform. If you, if you video it, two questions. One is, is the thinker thinking? And the other one is, when I said that, honestly looking at their face, were they ready for it or did I speak too early? And those two things can really help begin to address the journey to working in full partnership. Hmm. Yeah. Those are good questions. Those are very simple questions, which rather wonderfully fit the theme of the conversation. And hashtag notice the silence. <laughs> For the benefit oh. of listeners, <laughs> I was watching Sarah and Sarah was visibly in her eyes doing some good work. So I didn't say anything. <laughs> yes. Yes, I was. I was thinking. I was thinking about those two those two questions and, and how many times you could apply them in your life can I tell you something about great coaching yeah do. if if it's that great we which is what we all aspire to we don't need to say we don't need to ask very many things or do very many things because surely our hope is that the last great question we asked that seems to be doing some good stuff, let it do its work. I think, and I think this more and more when I watch coaching and, you know, in this season of my life, that's what I'm doing mostly. Mm. Um, because I love it because I want to create, I want to be part of creating the next generation of people who do this work so that they do less work so that the people that they are, actually in conversation with do more work that's my dream uh and I can, no, I've completely forgot what I was gonna say <laughs> I got lost in the passion of that um oh yes usually every coaching conversation <clears throat> is building up to a moment where transformation happens mm. Mm. And that piece of transformation is usually the thing that's the game changer in the conversation. And usually that's enough. And we don't need to then try and do another big piece and another big piece and another big piece. And sometimes that is quite quick. Sometimes it takes a lot longer. Sometimes it doesn't happen. But it's not about how many good things can we do in this conversation. It's actually about what is the thing we need to do today and then let's just do it. And, and there will be a build. And the magic moment, or whatever you like to call it, is never the one you planned. It's never using the clever thing you thought it was going to be. It usually just randomly happens when you're keeping out the way. <laughs> yes, when you're letting the person in front of you do the work. Exactly. It's interesting what you said about 
your this season of your life and your life's work because I I have a life's work too. Um, I think that coaching is a superpower. I think that we should all have our knickers on the outside so that we can be identified easily in the street. Um, and I think that everybody, everybody should be able to access good coaching. However, there are a number of people, a significant number of people who will never be able to access good coaching or rarely be able to access it because of their financial situation. And I know that a lot of coaches would, a lot of coaches do pro bono work and they do it instead of building a coaching business because they try and build a coaching business. They can't really figure out what they're doing wrong. And so they end up doing a lot of pro bono coaching and kind of going, I don't quite understand what went wrong here, but hey, this is good. But my why is I want those people coached, those people who can't afford to be coached. And I'm talking, you know, my particular thing is homeless people, but the people who can't afford to be coached, who need it more than ever. If I can get enough coaches covering their financial bases with coaching, so covering, you know, financially viable means whatever you want it to mean. It means a different thing to everybody. But if you've got your financial bases covered with the coaching that you're getting paid for, that leaves you the emotional bandwidth and the time to get on and do some pro bono coaching with people who couldn't afford to pay you your professional rate. And, you know, I, I can't coach the whole world. I tried. <laughs> I, I couldn't even coach like our town. It turns out it's far too many people. Um, but the more people who are up and running with a proper coaching business who can then go and share their great coaching skills, the better. That's, you know, it's ripples in a pond. For both of us, it's ripples in a pond. Mm -hmm. We drop the pebble in, our pebble, and it goes outwards. Yeah. 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 But let's keep on that thing about active actively building because actually you need to take action to build your business don't you and it's about taking action that's useful it's about than... understanding what you have to do yeah because yeah. there's a lot of nonsense out there lifting your eyes up from the ground isn't going to find you a coaching client and the the other thing that I and again here we go this might be upset people jumping into my diary um the other thing that well, a niche doesn't choose you, you choose it. You are not the niche. Being a mindset coach or a business coach or a transformation coach, well, A, mindset coach, transformational coach, change coach, isn't that what we all are? And, and B, that's not a niche, it's a job title. A niche is a demographic, it's a target audience. And understanding that powerfully serving and having meaningful conversations all over the place you know, if, if you can do that for a couple of years and then with a bit of luck, somebody that you had a conversation with will come back to you. That's great. But the people that I work with need to make a living. You know, they don't have all this time for this wonderful serving. You know, they, they're very happy to powerfully serve in a coaching conversation, but honestly, they need to get paid for it. And I think I think that goes back to, you know, it's just marketing is a very pragmatic thing. It's like coaching. It's a process. And if you do it properly, if you know what you're doing and you do it properly, it's not hard. 
And it works in the same way that coaching always works. If you do marketing right, marketing always works. And, and you can trust the process once you know what you're doing. It's not hard. In fact, it's simple. Doesn't make it easy, of course. But then exactly not accidentally disempowering isn't easy either, is it? Yeah, and simple isn't easy because I think, you know, when I do development with people, the thing that we need to do the most of is unlearning. Yes. Because somehow in the world of, well, in the world of work, complexifying, which I just made that up, I think, but, you know, making (laughs) gives a status. Yes. Well, yes, and back to these big words that we use to describe coaching processes and ethics and, and et cetera. All these big fancy words make it seem important, don't they? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we can't underestimate the fact that that coaching is a monetizable profession. And if yes. you come up with a word, then you can try and get people to pay money for that word. But what I noticed from quite a lot of the people I talk to around the place, some who I work with, some who just are having a chat about something, is that they'll go on something that's got fancy words in the name and then they'll discover that actually at its heart it's the same. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And, and also there are weasel words, aren't they? Like, you know, high ticket clients or high paying clients. You know, do we even know what that means? But, you know, if I'm going to have clients, let's have high paying ones or it's like why don't you just have proper clients who pay a professional rate for your coaching that you can attract on a daily basis without being and this is where we came in shouty loud grubby sleazy any of the things pushy all of those things that people fear that marketing is yeah yeah and it's my intention at some point on the coaching in. And if this is you and you want to guest, then do send me an email to info at 3dcoaching.com. But I'd love to do a roundtable with some people who work for the um, for the the big coaching hubs, you know, mm. Coach Hub, Better Up and stuff, and to hear what their experience is of, of working with them. Because one of the things that I know is that the fees, so you're working with high status individuals often, but the mm. fees are quite low. But I know that there's a few people who really love that because they're not putting any, any time into the other bit. Yeah. Oh, and, oh associate work is great. Yeah. Associate work is fabulous, but it's only fabulous as some of the eggs in your basket and not all yeah. of them. And the reason that I say that is I had a conversation a couple of years ago with a distraught coach, an executive coach who'd been being paid a, a a really good rate um, and she'd had her coaching business as she thought of it uh, all her associate work came from one organization and um, she was doing very well indeed thank you very much and then all of a sudden personnel at the organization changed and the person who came in brought their own little black book of coaches with them yeah. and her work dried up like that mm. so associate work is fabulous I mean our, our mentors work for me on an associate basis mm. but it should only be part of your business and not all of it you know having your own private clients means that when odd things happen like pandemics and stuff that you just couldn't predict you still have your income stream yeah one of the things that I notice in the work that I've done 
you know, the 30 years or whatever it is that I've done it, is, is that we have a diverse organisational base. Mm. So we work in two or three different organisational sectors. And the benefit of that is that when one is rocky, another one isn't. Yes. And actually, when the pandemic hit, uh, our customer base of, of coaches, they were all at home. <laughs> Yeah. So we were able to, you know, to put some stuff on. We got this podcast going. We did all sorts of things because that was another another egg. And if you've got if that diversity covers different sectors, then then that moderates the rock in. Yes. And and with with an individual coach who's I mean, if, if we're talking corporate coaches, that's a different thing. And we do you know, we do have a program for corporate coaches but with coaches who coach private clients and who want to coach more private clients it's you you don't only you don't you don't actually want that many clients I had this conversation somebody said to me can you niche too much and the answer is no if you know if you think about you know I'm 56 how long am I going to coach for well I don't coach anymore but if I was how long am I going to coach for maybe another 10 years how many coaching clients can I reasonably you know do I need to keep my head above water and can I reasonably coach in the course of a year give me a number Claire how many well how many coaching clients well that I mean it depends on how long you see them for well yes I mean if you see people four times and you know how many people can you coach in a day well, exactly. And but people come and they say, oh, well, I want all these clients and I will need this niche. And I'm going to bring it's like you don't it, it, at the outside 50 clients a year. Yeah, because if you do, I mean, I think six sessions in a day is too many. Oh, I can't do more than three. But they're yeah. more experienced than me. <laughs> three and I'm absolutely well, knackered. For me, it depends whether people are bringing things that are different or things that are the same. Because mm. if people are very similar so if you are working in a very specific niche, then you're going to see less people in a day because you've got to make sure that you're really able to give them your full attention. And that depends on how old you are, whether you're tired in the morning or whether you're tired in the evening or whether you're never tired <laughs> and, yeah. and whether you could do two days coaching in a row, what else are you doing with your life? It's I mean, okay. I, I only work 36 weeks a year, only ever have. Um, so that massively reduces the number of people that I can see because but if you then if you then extrapolate that number across the next 10 years, it's yeah. not a massive number. No. So worrying about niching because not enough people are going to hear you is is crazy. Can I just pick up on something you said? You yeah. said if you're going to work with people in the same sector, they will bring. That's not actually quite true from the, what we found with our coaches because a really common thing is I don't want to niche because I don't want to only ever work with the same kind of people with the same kind of problem. And what actually happens is if you have 10 people who all think that this is the problem they want to work with, by the time you get to session three, you have 10 individuals with utterly different situations. Oh, absolutely. I agree with you. And also we need enough space to be really clear that we are being absolutely fully fully present for this person with the thing that they're bringing in this moment. Uh, I always, yeah. I always strongly recommend to our coaches that when they're sitting down and thinking about what they want their, their businesses to look like, that they don't put any more than three clients a day in because apart from anything else, you need to market. 
it does it becomes part of what you do you become a coach marketer and I can feel I can feel coaches coming out in hives when I say that but honestly it actually when you know what you're doing it's a creative process it's you've got your message it's simple and your job is to be creative with the words that you use crystal clear English words that you use or whatever language you speak to help the person that you want to work with understand why they should want coaching that's it so keep it simple yes and let's finish with the words of Charlie Chaplin, who said simplicity is not a simple thing. Indeed. So I'm off to go on a train, big expedition. Uh, and uh, I'm going to be listening to a book about simplifying your business, which I might talk about on a future podcast. So, Sarah, how do people contact you? And um, they can go to thecoachingrevolution.com. And every single button on that website that says book a call takes you to my diary. Fantastic. And if you want to talk to me, I'm Claire at 3dcoaching.com. And I think I might steal Sarah's good idea about the website. So <laughs> I'm Claire Pedrick. I've been in conversation with Sarah Short from The Coaching Revolution. Have a great day. Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, we'd love you to share the podcast with a friend or leave a comment on social media. And if you'd like to become a regular at The Coaching Inn, you can subscribe on Podbean and all major podcast channels. We look forward to welcoming you next time. You've been listening to The Coaching Inn, 3D Coaching's virtual pub. For more information, check out 3dcoaching.com.